You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. What up? Good morning, all. Hello. Uh, I'm here for our 10 minutes before the podcast early meeting. <laughs> I was wondering about that, that I showed up at uh, 7.38. I'm telling you, you got to have donut or nobody makes it to the meeting. You got to have what? Donuts. Donuts. Oh, do- oh, donuts. Virtual donuts. Good Good point. Yeah. Good point. I'm battling like the sun again. I, I'll tell you that whole jet lag thing is a, that's a real thing. Yeah. It took me literally, well, I left like our time Thursday at three o'clock, like Minnesota time. Yeah. And I got home five o'clock Friday, our time with about three half hour to 45 minute naps. So then we had to go right away because we had other obligations. 1130. I, I was like, if, zombie but it didn't get better until about monday morning so hey what is your uh recap though what was your recap um the lifestyle over here yeah the recap so for those that don't know i did go visit nick in in bialstock poland um very uh very interesting to how i got there because they don't have a major airport that goes into their town so i had to take a, a train and then I took a bus back to the airport, went through Warsaw, but um, it was good. You know, I'm not I'm not very good with different languages, so that that's always, uh, I guess, uh, an issue for for me. But um, I don't know. I was really surprised. Like, yeah, everyone said I was going to get killed over there and shot, and uh, nothing nothing of the sorts. It's very very peaceful. Nothing really happening. I didn't notice anything. No talk of a war or anything over there. Um, That's old news, huh? Yeah. And Nick was saying, I, I said, gosh, some of these people aren't very friendly because I'm walking down the street and I'm like, hey, hi, you know, hi, hello. And they just kind of look straight ahead. But it's kind of a culture thing. But felt felt really, really safe. We went to um, Auschwitz. See, they, they probably thought you were on meds. Hi, yeah, I know. hi. Yeah. Well, that's that's exactly how Nick described it too. Hi, yeah. how are you? You know, like I was being. I'm an nice. American. Yeah. <laughs> I say English, English, but I I learned Google Translator pretty good. Nick left me many times, but on my own, Andy, I had to Weird. defend for myself. I did well, but um, based on his uh, bold perceptions, uh, you know, feeds. He probably takes a wine cork and heads out the door, and you know what's going on. So, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> you're not kidding. And then uh, he, I got to see a game. He only oh, he got did. to play. Yeah, he only got to play a half just because okay. uh, they, they were crushing him pretty good, um, which was good. And then uh, we went to uh, Auschwitz, and that's yeah. that's something that uh, it's sobering. I'll tell you that, and it's something that. I, I think everyone should do. I mean, I just don't think it should be f- forgotten uh, what it is there. But we learned a lot of things that I didn't know. 
Whereas, I mean, it wasn't just Jewish people that were getting exterminated. Oh. I mean, it was gypsies and Polish people yeah. and um, quite a... Well, it, the big the big one, too, uh, was landowners. And that was so, you know, not to get a history lesson or whatever, everybody's bored with that. But the Prasky name is Polish, obviously. And, and my male ancestors that were in Poland were basically exterminated um, during that period of time. Um, we have females and now obviously the families, you know, produce a few more males since then. But back in the day, the the big landowners were the first ones that they killed to take their land and their resources. And it, oh, it's wow. that that country has had some nasty pasts. And, you know, all the current things you talk about in the world and you look at like a time like that when it was that awful. That's a dark, dark time in the world. Um, when some of that stuff was going on, I mean, there's other, obviously probably equivalently dark things that have happened in the world too, but I mean, my God, it's just, like you said, it's, huh. thank God where we are, where we are and God bless America. And thank you for all the people that protect us and, and keep this country great. And I know a lot of people don't think we're great. We are freaking great. Yeah. And, and it's the truth. And when you, when you really look at, you know, you get to visit some of those other countries, you get to check your feelings, you know what I mean? And feel like, okay. Am I safe? Am I good? Are we, you know, free? And then you come home and go, this is pretty damn nice. Yeah, it was, um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it was very interesting. Well, let me I, ask you, um, one uh, one guy to another, how, how was the food? Did you have any great meals or anything fun? Or You know, I kind of allowed Nick to be able to order for me at the beginning. And then when he would disappear, I'd go back to the same thing because I knew what I was going to get. But yeah. it was it was excellent food. It was really good. Um, I don't know what it was. What? I said different stuff, or did you kind of try to find the McDonald's on the corner, or what'd you do? No, totally did all the local. The kebab. Stuff. You were in love with the kebab. It's not a kebab as one would think. It's you know like our kebabs is a C K A, but these ones are a K E, and it's a totally different thing. But. I'm like, oh my gosh, Nick! I found this little kebab place. I mean, it's it's awesome. And I, I go around another corner, and there's three of them right next to each other. So, right. yeah, I think they're. I thought I found like the a hole in the wall, perfect gem yeah. of a place. Well, but, but you know, you go around the corner, and you gotta you, you look at why are those guys there, and they they all specialize in probably different things. One guy's probably poultry. One's you know different uh, lamb. Some guys probably organs. And they make those, you know, kebabs out of all different kinds of stuff. Yeah. Well, it, it's funny because I'm like, the, the reason I went there, I wasn't with Nick. And I'm like, there's a pitcher. And I'm going to just point at the pitcher and tell, tell him what I want. And that's So that's how I ended up getting it. Yeah. It, it is weird being there. It's like you're kind of, um, I don't know. It's uh, it's tough. But then I started using that Google Translator. They made fun of me a lot and whatever. Yeah, it worked out. It worked out well, good. But I'm glad. I'm glad to neat. see you wandered out of uh, Prior Lake. That's pretty exciting for us. Yeah, I know. And I got a hotel was which was right in the middle of everything, yep. and so that was perfect too. So, well, good. All good. Yeah. And so um, that uh, didn't stop me from getting phone calls. I'll tell you that uh, overseas, we actually got uh, some good appointments lined up, and so we're still working. Um, market definitely seems to be kind of that's still that little hangover uh from interest rates but it's uh i mean it's still going but it's just not it's just it's us getting used to it again sure you know i'm talking about like our listings lasting longer and planning out marketing plans you know further down the line versus 
you know, hustle, 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 put it on, attack, you know, try to create the interest, do the offers, you know, get through the inspection, and then move on to the next one. And now it's different where you're getting, you're still getting some of those, but you're also mixing in the ones that what the market typically is like. And it doesn't, well, like everything doesn't sell day one. A hyper demand market is not fun for anybody. I mean, it, you know, you sure sit there and you say, oh, it's, it's, you know, things are moving and prices or whatever. You know, you're seeing your neighbor sell for way more than what you thought it was even worth. And, you know, like I call it, there's, there's that trajectory of where properties are going up in value. And then one guy sells for more and then the next guy sells for more. The whole line doesn't go up. And I think, you know, I call those legs on the market where those offers that are way above where they should be. Yeah. And I'm seeing where those legs just got cut off. So the 50000 over isn't, I mean, there are some, don't get me wrong. But I'm seeing where those kind of offers are gone. So sellers that now have joined the marketplace and are going, what do you mean my house didn't sell in a week? It's going to take a two to three week or maybe we go to back to a 30 day market um, kind of across the Twin Cities. But here, let's be positive, right? Why is that a good thing um, for a seller? You can plan. You're, you're not living in chaos. You're not scrambling, you know, trying to hustle. Whose basement am I going to live in? You're couch surfing or whatever. You can actually make a plan, right? And then you actually have the ability to... Um, now I'm seeing offers, and, and this is within three weeks. Offers of now contingent offers coming in are being accepted. And hey, we want to sell our house. We have a 30-day sale. Are you guys okay with that? And it calms everybody down where nobody's homeless, nobody's living out of the car with their dogs and kids. And it it I think that pace of market for any buyer, especially buyers that are analytical that like to do the inspections and like to make sure that everything's lined up properly. I think that'll bring more buyers into the marketplace now that the the speed is down to what i consider to be a little more normal what are your thoughts well i totally agree i mean i was i was gonna say before you said it uh the whole contingency thing is is a real thing and that's a, that's a good thing for sellers but i remember when we saw you know that whole 2000 probably i would say 2009 to 2012 where the buyers were in complete control and then you saw the last two years here where the sellers were in complete control. And I think mm -hmm. a little more balanced market <laughs> is, is a sure. lot better. I mean, it keeps kind of people honest and it, and it just works better for the, the whole situation because mm -hmm. like you were saying that I don't want to live in, in a trunk. And what was, what was happening, what we just went through was the buyers were like fatigued and they had to win something. Once they, once they won something and the seller got the best of it, then it's like, let's get them. We're going to yeah. do everything we can to make it, you know, pain in the butt. We're going to switch lenders on them. You know, yeah. oh, we're going to, you know, hey, it, didn't, it didn't appraise for that much. Hey, we got an inspection. We're going to nail you on a couple of these things. Oh, you know what? I, I think mm -hmm. I just don't want to buy it. I just, we just had someone that I, I heard about that just decided, you know what? I don't want to buy that one. I want to go buy another one. And the seller finally said, you know what? No, you're going to purchase this thing and I'm going to go after you if you don't. And, and so that, that's nice. To me, that's well, you know that that and then you know, exactly, and then I'm I'm also starting to see where these people there's a little venom out there too though there's a little bit of the we got screwed uh, a lot of the first time home buyers which I'm sure we'll talk about later in the show where you actually have these buyers that had a four hundred thousand dollar qualification based on their current income whatever else now rates jumping up drop them down to three twenty five from four hundred and now they're like well if we got you know screwed we're gonna go screw the seller and there's a little bit of that going on so like i always say look you guys take a little aspirin let's get over the hangover here 
We're going back to a normal market. Interest rates are relaxing back to where they went from stupid to fantastic. Five and a half, six percent is still fantastic. And and it, it's it's a marketplace where we need to be. If you play back this show from a couple of years ago, you and I were talking about that. To get back to healthy, we have to have rates at six and seven percent just so the money starts moving around organically versus artificial stimulus, artificial stimulus. We need investors that want to invest in housing. We need, you know, get more sources than just the federal government printing money. Yeah. And and that's how they'll do that. Agreed. That's kind of that's kind of interesting right there. Existing home sales fell 3.4% in May, but the sale price surpassed 400,000 for the first time. And that is that just things catching up with now. I think we're going to see a, a different July is going to be a different report. I think that's going to scare a few people. But I also remind people too that typically we used to have a middle of June till the middle of July slowdown, sometimes yeah. till the end of July, because people would vacation and take time off and just enjoy the summer. In Minnesota, we don't have a lot of time in which to be able to do that. And so that was typically a, a small time. Um, and I'm telling people that now, but I'm also kind of strategically uh, putting listings on that I feel are very good for the market at this time, if I'm going to put it on, if not, I'm going to pro I'm going to choose to kind of push it off a little here, at least you recommend know, it. You remember back when markets had natural cyclical seasons, right? And we would have the you know Super Bowl Sunday launches, kind of the spring market, and it's over by May, guys. I mean, it, it that hot spring market, that spring buyer, actually, it's a winter, early spring, summer, excuse me, spring market. By now, the market's normally the dog days of summer. Between Memorial Day all the way to Labor Day, especially 4th of July, if you're listing your house right now, you're crazy. I mean, historically, right? I mean, so it's like, but over the last several years, we've gotten numb to that because it's all stimulus, 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 low rates, low rates. Also, nobody's buying a house. Rates drop, and also you got buyers looking in the middle of summer. So what's interesting to me is, is that as we go back to normal, you're going to see articles that exploit that information and say, like, the sky is falling, careful, sell quick. And it's it's... I think you're going to continue to see home sales fall because Chris, who the hell is going to sell their house? I got a guy right now trying to thinking about selling a house, a condo, $125,000 apartment style condo, right? Over in Robbinsdale. And the payment's $325 a month for a two bedroom. How are you going to ever move out of that and move into even a rental? A two bedroom rental is going to be $1,500 a month. He'll never move. See, when people start looking at the facts, I think what happened was these low interest rates are seizing and locking up a ton of our marketplace and they're not going to loosen up unless they absolutely have to get out of it. And if anything else, like I was talking to a couple last night, they were thinking about upgrading houses. And I said, hey, why don't we keep that property, keep that low? Because you, you don't want to give up the free money. The free money is the low interest rate, right? Um, the high price is exciting. But I said, that free money, I go, let's hang on to it. Let's rent that property. Let's hold it. And so I think you'll see a lot of people holding in, uh, properties as investment properties over the next couple of years and going out and buying new properties um, to, and, and have a portfolio, if you will. And that all that means tighter markets again. So I, I don't know. I think you'll see prices continuing uh, to go up because of the demand or at least at more of a normal chug. And, and we're going to go through a temporary storm right now. We get it. Once the clouds clear and all the thunder's gone, uh, 30, 40 days from now, 60 days from now, I think we'll go back to more uh, that 
and I'm bullish on the market. I think I think real estate's still a fantastic investment. And I think that there might be some temporary really good deals for the panic sellers that are out there right now. I was I was gonna say that too. There is some that are I mean, I had two phone calls that are like we want to grab it before it, it totally crashes. And I mean that that's the whole media crap again. Uh yep. just making people feel like you know, everything is going to going to hell. And I mean, you start seeing things, you start seeing gas prices, you start seeing all that stuff, inflation. But, you know, we've said this before, too. This is not a housing crisis that's causing no. this. It really isn't. And no. but I also think there's going to be a lot of and I think I think we're going to do this on another show. But I think there's going to be a lot of different things that are going to start coming back, you know, like buy downs on interest rates and you know, paying those closing costs, five-year, seven-year, 10-year arms, uh, contract for deeds. I mean, right now, why wouldn't a seller do that? I mean, you have a due on sale clause. And what that means is that if you if you sell your house, you have to pay off your mortgage. But a lot of people still don't do that. But if you if you think yeah. about it, if you can offer it should, it should be a do not talk clause. Yeah. Well, let's, yeah. But let's think about this, though. So if you have one of the rates... That was 2.75%. And you can offer a buyer a 5% contract for deed. You're going to get more money for your house because people are going to say, geez, I want that lower interest rate to be able to grab it. And not only are you going to get more money for your house, but then you're going to make money on, on borrowed money. Uh, that's the, that's the most beautiful scenario ever. Yeah. And so, and I, I don't know how it, it's, it's not going to not happen. I mean, I know the banks will want to try to, uh, make that not happen because they'd rather have it at the higher rates and, and switch the money around. But I don't know. I think that's a possibility. I agree. All right. I think we're going to go. We're going to start reacting again. <laughs> it does feel good, though, doesn't it? Yeah, we've all, uh, it's all happened. It's, and basically what that thing is saying is that you, you lost a listing based on price. So you went in and you told them what you thought and where the price was. And someone probably else came in and said, no way, we can get more than that. They get the mm -hmm. listing, you don't. And all of a sudden you start seeing it get reduced to that. I I make mentions to sellers. I said, you know, if you're if you're going to choose someone based on a price, number one, ultimately you make that decision. But but number two, what I would do is put in a clause that if we have to reduce the price, I can get out of my contract. Yep. And then see what happens. All of a sudden, yes. weird. Well, then we better price it more competitively. Yeah. Isn't that yeah? Oh, by the way, this is this is what's happening in the market. We better switch it now. And I think we've had that. I mean, not so much lately, but uh buying a listing is, you know, because you want to get that. So you get people got to remember that when you when you have listings, a lot of things come out of that. Number one, you can do open mm -hmm. houses. Number two, you can get sign calls, and and number three, you can get internet traffic, which might create some leads. So your property is not only important for them to be able to sell and get paid on that, but the uh, the ability to be able to have something that you can try to snag some buyers off of it. And for so sure. just make sure that that agent's doing what's in your best interest, not what's in their best interest. Right. Well, and you normally see that. I hate to say it, but you you don't see the the seasoned agent that has you know fifteen listings doing those kind of behaviors. 
because they're focused on getting things sold. They make, they know how they make money. They make money on the sale. You're seeing that with a lot of the rookie or the discount brokers or the people that have nothing else going on that will take on that listing and, and uh, you know, overprice it. And and I, I think that what you'll see now is you're going to start seeing like the open doors and the, you know, the, all the guaranteed offers that you see around the twin cities, that stuff will start retracting a little bit when the market's not moving as fast, or those offers are going to become a lot less sexy. Cause for a little while, they did. They they were doing very fair offers, and and now that's kind of back to where they can't make money. They're not going to do it, guys. The other thing that's going to happen, Andy, is flips are coming going to come back because people were selling their house. It didn't matter kind of what they were doing to it. They were still getting good money for it. Now yeah. those houses aren't going to sell, and now the flippers will come back into play. And I'll tell you what, it's it's just a cyclical thing. It just kind of keeps moving. You know, a guaranteed offer was a huge was a huge thing um, for certain people and they took advantage of it and now they'll adapt and now they'll move in into something else. But you know what's interesting, Chris? You look at the um the percentage of the market I heard is under two percent um with with people that actually do what they call guaranteed offers, right? When somebody comes to you and says, I have a guaranteed offer and here's my guaranteed price, I always ask them, I'd say, so out of all the houses you guys sold last year, what was the percentage of houses did you guarantee? And they'll be like, oh a ton. I go, no, specifically, out of 2,000 houses you listed last year, I want to know how many of them were guaranteed. Oh, six? That's it? You know, I mean, it's it's ridiculously low. The guarantee is to open up the door for them to meet you um, or, like, the unsolicited text that you guys get. Like, I had a customer last night say, some guy named uh, Eric sends me texts all the time saying he knows me and he knows my house and it's worth this much money. And I go, that's digital phishing. That's where people look at the, uh, you know, the the AI and the whatever else. They're, they're, they're machine learning. Everything that you do, they look at Google, they see what your searches are, and then they ping it and they find a cell phone number and they guess. And, and all of a sudden, they're just, that's marketing, guys. That That's where they're just trying to open up the door to introduce themselves to you so that they maybe will get an opportunity to help you buy or sell a house. And, and it's scary how much information they have that makes it feel like they do have a connection. And they, or they are offering you exactly what you want. Of course you want a guarantee, but it's not really a guarantee. When you really break it down, there's no guarantees. And you hit that right on the nose, Andy, that who does, if you think about it, who doesn't want someone to come in and buy their house with no hassle? So it's, it's one of those things that, well, I'll have them, I'll just have them come in. Let's just see. We'll just see. Well, that's an opportunity for them to be able to come in and let you see what else they can do other than buy your house. Because I know a lot of that stuff was, you know what? We'll we'll do it. We'll definitely buy your house, and here's what we'd give you. But you you're gonna make more. I mean, you got a really sellable house. Why wouldn't we try to get you more money? And then they and then they list it. So that's exactly what it is, and it's a marketing thing, and that's 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 what they do, and it'll continually happen, and it'll just be a different way. We got to deal with different loans. I had we just had a, a builder, a national builder, that called me and said, "Hey, we've got a nice." real nice program here to be able to help your buyers out. And it was a basically a set interest rate at under 5% and then adding in a two-year buy-down. So the first year rate was 2.99, second year rate was 3.99, and then the the third through 30 year was 4.99. I mean, that's that's a great deal in this market. And it's- God, a, I'd love to have that program. Yeah, exactly. And so- it's they'll come up with stuff. And that's, I think that's what we're going to, me and Nick were talking about at our meeting without donuts this morning. 
we were talking about, you know, future shows and what we were going to do with it's them. Pretty much and that was one I'm of sure them. I'd be there on time, Rooney. What's that? He's having treats. Yeah, I know. I know. That's Nick's fault. Nick has to get. They have. They have... up in the morning, thinking about so many things. I just wish things would get better. I'm trying to get rid of them, but nothing seems to stay the same. Oh, my God. Oh, cruel. Uh, buyer letters. I don't know. You, you can say whatever you want, but they're they're effective. They are effective, I think, regardless. You can say that they're you shouldn't do them. They're wrong. You know, you're discriminating and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I'm trying to get an offer. Hey, done. If they want to read it, they can read it. Those poor attorneys, they have to start charging more legal fees. They, uh, yeah. when you guys are all getting sued over it, I mean, they got to make a living, right? I mean, it'll yeah. be good for you guys yeah. supporting the legal community. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Well, I mean, think about that. I mean, by, by that little girl, you're assuming she's with a family. Um, so all of a sudden that's familia status, right? As you say, and family status. And all of a sudden you're discriminating against a family. So the, the single guy doesn't get the house because she got the house. Cause she's a little girl that, that, that is a zinger. That keeps the attorneys busy. Don't, I, I don't read them. I don't read them. You're thinking too much into it. I am. That's my opinion. I don't, I think it's, uh, I think you want to know as much as you can about a buyer and then the qualifications because a lender letter is worthless for the most part. I mean, most lender letters are worthless. And so you need to find out. I, I want to know, I want to know where they work. I want to know if they get good credit. I want to know if they have down payment money. You know, a letter, no letter says that. And if you can offer that and tell us as a seller that you have that, that's going to make you look better. Doesn't matter. If, if they would keep the letters to what's considered to be, you know, objective, yes, I agree. Letters could be good. Yeah. But they don't. Yeah. We have a family and we live in, or we're, you know, first generation Americans, or we're, you know, and all those things that go in there are all things that we have to be careful about because we're not supposed to put those, you know, I agree though, Chris, and I'm, I'm not arguing with you no, I, know. I, I understand your position, yeah, but no. it, it, you got to be as a young agent or a new agent to the business, young or old, I guess, you just got to be careful as to how you're making your criteria for decisions. Because like I said, I go this, I, that's why I love working from home. You could, you don't know what you look like, what your interests are. You don't know what, all you know is if you're good at whatever that task is on that computer. And, and it's like, that's the best way to do it. If you're a hard worker, who cares? You could have an iron coming out of your forehead and nobody's going to care because you're working from home. That's the way it should be. I mean, it should literally be completely based on the offer, the stability of the offer. Um, can they perform or not? Shouldn't have anything to do with, you know, if they're on the soccer team or if they're wearing a, a Vikings jersey. Yeah. Well, Vikings jersey would make a difference, just so you know. But the other thing I was going to say is that that's why this whole inflation, recession, all that talk, and hopefully people can start worrying about real things versus worrying about all these stupid things. I mean, it's just, and yeah, right. stupid, stupid is right. what I would yep. say. But anyways. Hey, this next one is not really a true meme, but for the millennials and Gen Z, I think we would consider this a meme. <laughs> what is this yeah. fantasy that we're reading this is uh yeah it's an ad from what 1955 yep look at that two bedroom one bath like florida parts. it's a yeah florida or is it florida or like a california well maybe california sure yeah carports 
Um, but look at that, $74.50 monthly payments of just under $48. That's uh, That includes principal tax and insurance. And then closing costs and prepayment. Closing costs, 155 bucks to get that baby. See, there's there's idea to come up with now. That's what you think do. of all the things you can't get for for seventy five hundred bucks. You can't get a four wheeler. You can't buy an ice house. You, I mean, heck, you can barely buy an electric bike for that amount of money nowadays. You know, what I mean, it's like, and you look at the the ratio, and then you say, well, but those guys only made four bucks an hour. He had to work one day of the week to afford that house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. A day and a half. That's eh, crazy. It's changed. I mean, that's good though. I mean, hey, man. That is, and and someday we'll probably look at it and say, God, remember when house payments were only five thousand dollars a month? Yeah, now they're yeah. thirty thousand a month, and you know we all are billionaires, and it's you're only cool if you're a trillionaire. Yeah. I mean that that's that kind of is how the world works, right? I mean, remember when it used to be a big deal to be a millionaire? Now it's like, well, yeah, but you can't even survive being a millionaire. True. Sad but true. <laughs> All right. All right, guys, we got a special segment coming next. But first, it is brought to you by Chris Rooney, Home Experts. I was just one years old when my family started in real estate, where both my parents were agents. They also dabbled in investing in real estate, rentals, flips, and construction. After college, I went right into getting my license in July of 1990. As a 23-year-old agent in an industry that looks nothing like today, I had to know more for my clients to choose me. There wasn't Zillow or social media to tell them how good I was. I had to win them over with knowledge. With knowledge comes confidence, and with confidence comes results. I found Whoa! <laughs> There's a surprise? Something looks fresh about that guy. Something looks like it's got a paycheck coming. <laughs> That's right. Well, tell us, my friend. So everybody's dying to know. So tell us everything. We want to know what it was, where it was, how it happened. Yeah, so it was, it was funny. It was uh, I was like the new guy at the office, right? So we had this, this lead come in that just wanted to rent. And everybody's kind of like looking around, you know, like, oh, who wants the rental lead? And they're like, new guy, how about you? Like, you want to watch your first at bat? I'm like, yeah, let's go. You know, I'm like all excited and everything. I don't even know how to unlock the lockbox. And so I go and I meet this couple and they were a super cool couple. We were going through this one house and they just had like a unique situation where it was like a timing thing for them. And after like two hours of building rapport, like walking around this this house and doing a couple different showings with them that day, um, they they kind of were like mentioning how they wanted just to do a short term rental, and then find something to buy. And we have this program that my brokerage has uh, partnered with. That's like a rent to own program where. Uh, in the program, they'll buy the house through you, rent it for a few months, and then they have an option to purchase it over a 12 month course. Nice. And so with, uh, with this couple, I, I kind of just entertained the idea with them and they were like, Oh, that's actually like perfect for our situation. Sweet. And I was like, okay. And so the, the, the worst part was they, they needed a place 
in like two weeks. So the time crunch was, was like <laughs> pretty much impossible. But that same day in the morning, I was talking with one of my coworkers who was complaining how his uh, Airbnb wasn't getting booked. It was like a little two bed, two bath Airbnb. He's like, I don't have anything booked until it cools down out here until like mid-September. So didn't really, you know, didn't think anything of that. Go and meet this couple. For this, for them to get in this house, they needed a 60-day close. And so I just, I just threw it out there to them. I'm like, hey, you know, for this to work, for you guys to get this house, like you're going to need a place for a couple months. I do have a friend that has an Airbnb that's open and available you know, it, that's really the only way this is going to work. Cause I don't know how you're going to find, you know, another, another thing where you can just kind of pop in for a short yeah. time and then, and then leave. And they, they were like pumped on it. So we went and looked at the Airbnb the next day. They're like, we'll take it. And then everybody in the office is like, you got them. They're going to go do that program. Like they just wanted a short-term rental. What the heck? And so, yeah, we, after we after they were fine with the Airbnb situation and pumped about the, the rent to own program, we went house hunting. We missed out on two um, homes that they liked. And then the third one we ended up getting. So an accepted That's offer. That, that goes to show, Chris. I mean, you and I both have dealt with agents over the years. And when you spend the time to listen to somebody, and truly fit, you know, I say unpeel the onion, right? The, the information's all there. It's just a matter of a lot of times real estate agents will hear, oh, hey, here's a potential customer that wants to do a short-term rental. Immediately a real estate agent thinks, oh, you know, we're not going to make any money off this, forget it. Versus somebody that's hungry and says, hey, uh, let me help these people. You know, I, I, let me see if there's something there. And all of a sudden you, you help somebody and you, way to be a professional, man. I mean, God, that's so fantastic. I hope people like your customers that are out there when they have an agent that does that appreciates what you're doing. You're going way up and beyond the call of a normal agent would do and putting all the pieces together and asking all the right questions and asking other people for help, you know, like your buddy telling you that they have an Airbnb. I mean, Hey, does anybody have a short-term rental? Does anybody, whatever. And all of a sudden you put all the pieces together and, and th that'll make you a, a very successful real estate agent. You're muted. Chris. All right. I said, it's a weird concept. It's called networking. And when you network, you, you know, you talk to people and all of a sudden you put it together. You solved, you solved a problem. You solved an issue by figuring out, you know, putting the different pieces together. And that is, that is a, a big thing. Now, I mean, a lot of us would say if a, a rental lead came in, no, nah, forget it. I'm not doing it. You're running them around. You bring them to all these places. And if you sign them up for a place, you might get a couple hundred bucks, but, mm -hmm. uh, be able to turn it into a, a quicker sale, even if it was a longer sale and you went to sold it for a year, I, I think that still would have been great. But being able to find that alternative too, because they must have needed money or something. Because is it was it home partners that you guys deal with? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So what home partners does is they come in and buy the house and then they turn around and and rent it to the person with like it's different milestones to be able to purchase that place. But yet the realtor is the one that is representing home partners and, and gets paid. And that's what Mr. Cody and no, no one introduced him. It's Cody. Yeah. Cody, go ahead. Tell us a little bit where you at and where are you from? And then uh, send us some referral checks from all of our customers that want to use you. 
<laughs> I'm uh, I'm out in Arizona right now. Uh, originally from Minnesota, and uh, yeah, I, I met uh, I met these guys through football with uh, with Chris's son Nick. So that's, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, did you a uh, big question from one of our listeners? Um, did you wear your UNLV jersey when you were showing them the first copy? <laughs> no, I did not. Okay. I still I still got that one in my toolbox. I don't want to burn all my options. No, you got you got that's your that's your parachute, right? Andy, his UNLV UNLV jersey is a dress on him right now. The guy's like, look at look at how thin he is. He's like this guy used to what what'd you play at? What wait? Yeah, so the the biggest I was, I got to 268. And when I realized I was like two pounds away from from 270, I I just like I didn't step on a scale for like two weeks and and stopped eating so much. And then I got down to like my playing weight was like two fifty five. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, now I'm like two fifteen again. I would be so thrilled if I was two seventy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was saying. What, what, why is he ripping on two seventy? I was gonna say I'm a, I'm a freaking lineman without knowing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Hey, Cody has two <laughs> questions um, he wants to get answered here for all our uh, new yeah. agents. It'll be pretty good. Okay. Yeah, so this uh, – well, so that – it wasn't all from this deal. Um, the one question I had, because I was helping out with some open houses, and the guy that was selling the, the house, the client, he had a – it was a personal situation on why he was selling, because it was a beautiful house. And the people that were coming in and looking at the place were, you know, like, why, why are they selling? You know, is like something wrong with this house. And it was just, they just had a, they had a divorce. And so they were moving out and like, out of respect to the client, you, you know, you don't really want to like air their dirty laundry out, but you also don't want the, the prospective home buyer to be concerned on what they're buying. And, and if there's, you know, Oh, is there bad neighborhood, you know, whatever. So, how do you kind of balance those two? Okay. Number one, it's the seller's decision, what you want to do. But what I would always suggest to them is that people are going to look at this and wonder what the heck's going on. Is it a fire sale? Is there something wrong with the house? They moved into it. Now there might be mice in there. There's something wrong. And it's much better, I think, to be able to be upfront and just say, you know what? They're just kind of, they're just going their separate ways. And then that's over. Now they can just worry about the house instead. Now, does that create some motivation? It could, but it doesn't have to. But at least that whole doubt of what it is, get them to stop thinking about what could be wrong with it versus just look at the house. I agree. And I think that the other thing is, is that um, sometimes when you have a situation like that, where it's a family that it's changing family status, right? Um, you ask them, say, listen, people, and I, I, I do, because Cody, it's funny that you, you say that because, People do. They walk in the door immediately. Say, "What's wrong?" or "Why? What? Are, why are they selling?" And you just say, "Hey, family status changed. Very friendly breakup. All good vibes here. They, you know, kids are loved. Everybody's happy, and they're moving their separate ways. And you're you're painting a pretty picture. And 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 I think that that's all they really want to know. Some people are a little superstitious. Like, was there a crime here? Was there like you said? And they they want to know. So when you are allowed by by your seller, and I always suggest, hey. I'm doing an open house. Do you mind if I mention the following three things? Go ahead and initial this for me, um, right? Because it, it it's that important. Where if all of a sudden you get, you know, hey, you caused me 50 grand because you disclosed my situation and they believe it, they'll come after you for it. So you do want to have things in writing what you're allowed to kind of talk or share 
Um, you know, because what if there was, um, hey, they're tired of getting their jet ski ripped off on the side of their garage and it's con- you know, constantly getting stolen. What's your situation there? And, you know, what do you want to talk about? And and I think that, you know, for somebody that is in that situation, obviously you want to walk gently on that topic. Um, the next buyer may not have a jet ski and nobody touches it. But, you know, on the other hand, what if they have an issue and then they come after us because it's a material fact, right? And so I was, I'm very cautious. I always put everything in writing. And then once with permission, you're kind of, you, you have the ability to um, help people feel at ease, right? And that's the best part is when you actually tell someone then it's not a problem anymore. It's not motivation. Once they know it, it's like, okay, that, that's cool. Everyone knows it because here's the thing. The neighbors do know it. And when a buyer comes and looks at a house, they stalk that neighborhood. They start asking questions. All of a sudden later on, they find out, oh, they're getting divorced. Oh, now it becomes, oh, geez, I'm going to be able to just nail them. Rather than just let them know it right up front because the, the neighbors do know. They know that the boyfriend's been coming over there and I think someone else is living there. And, you know, now it becomes an entangled mess that becomes uh, about that versus about just what the house is. One other thing, a lot of times people coming in nowadays with all the information at their fingertips, I've actually gotten creeped out by some of the people coming into an open house because of how much they know about the seller and how much they've, you know, stocked them. And on Facebook, you know, I saw that she already moved out and blah, blah. And you're like, Oh my God. I mean, it's, it's kind of the people that are into that. You can't stop them from being curious creatures, but you can control the way they receive the information from you, right? So be cautious, be careful, be professional. All right, that's all good stuff. And then my uh, next question is, so I remember when I got my when I got my house, the the gifts that I was given after the closing, I thought were hilarious. And so I, I want to know, like, they were clearly just just uh attempts at getting referrals like the first one i got a pie i got an apple pie and i don't i was like this is great but i i don't even want it and then the next the my i think it was my lender yeah they sent me a a cutting board and i was like i i don't i don't even cook you know i'm not, I'm not gonna use this so they were just both obvious attempts at, at a referral what what do you guys suggest? Because, I mean, you want to do something, you know, you want to give them something, but you want it to feel kind of more, more uh, genuine, I should say, than, than like a marketing play. I think, well, first you- of all, only idiots give out cutting boards, but <laughs> you be you. You-, <laughs> yes. you can cut your apple pie on there. But anyways. Yeah, I can. <laughs> And then, hey. and then I'm like, people start saying, hey, you can't give out a cutting board. And I said, without one of these, a knife? <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I'm guilty of that. I love it. But I'm a, I, I like to cook. I'm a, I, I'm in the kitchen. And, and what I always look at is something as simple as, as a new agent, okay? So this knife is, I don't know how much are these knives. 50 bucks, whatever they are. Cutco, really nice brand, nice logo on there. As a first-time agent, the reason why I do this is because of Red Handle. They throw it in the drawer. What's the first thing you see? The red handle. Hopefully they pull it up and they say, oh, there's that Andy Prasky. It's top of mind awareness, right? Those are some of the things that, and not every client. Now, if I have a client that is like a younger person, and maybe I, I wouldn't do that for you, but I'd, I'd, I'd figure out what your hobbies are. Or I'd say, hey, you know, hey, when UNLV is in town, I got you some tickets for the game or something fun. And hey, let's go have a couple beers before the game. 
that that is that they're just trying to connect with you so that you don't forget who they are. Um, I, I, you know, over the years, I'm a big mug guy too. So I'm, I, I love my mugs, you know, we're getting all my swag out here. Um, I, but sitting around the, you, I can't tell you how many times this mug has gone all over the world and people use it and it's give out, all I'd say to you is this, give out quality items. If you're going to give something out. Yeah. But I think there's, there is a difference Cody from a promotion to a gift. Um, and that sometimes you can. Like what Andy's got, you you add that in with maybe the the other thing, um, but I I think right. th- it gets a little crazy gifts too. Um, I always was very weird about that because it's like oh, okay thanks you just paid me you know eight thousand dollars in which to sell your house and here's a gift certificate for fifty bucks. It was just I always thought it was just awkward, and so but then it turned into exactly what Andy was talking about is that you'd figure out something who they were. And to, and to be able to help them. And for years and years and years and years, I never gave, I never gave gifts because of, of that, that feeling. I just thanked them. I did a, a good job for them. And, and I think sometimes this whole realtor thing, I mean, it's, it's appreciation. That's what I came to. It's more, Hey, I appreciate it versus, okay, you bought something from me. I have to do this because I think a lot of people think your realtor better be your best friend. And we have to have I mean, we're the we're best pals now, and we'll we'll talk together, and we'll go after happy hour every day after I sold your house, and it's so different than every other industry that's out there. I mean, oh, it, you gotta remember, kids, to call this guy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know my clientele, man. They like to sit by the bonfire and do a little. Yeah, oh, exactly. that one, little wine one. Yeah. No, no, but here's the funny thing: this is quality stuff. And I appreciate people. I really do. And I like people that have good times. And like Chris, I've learned this from him. When you're helping somebody buy a house, like on a lake or whatever, you're selling really lifestyle. And when you can enhance somebody's experience and you can have some fun with it. And like you said, you don't, the idea is not a rebate. Okay. That that's where I really struggle. Like when, when real estate agents sit there and have, um, you know, the, you go to a closing and they hand you a $50, you know, or a hundred dollar gift card or whatever's legal in your state um, as, as a thank you. That, that feels rebatey kind of like it's a, it's a rebate thing. I want to give something to somebody that they actually want or that they'll use or they'll keep. So. All right. All right. Well, thank you guys. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Hey, cool. uh, Cody, Cody, stay in here. You got one more thing for you. That's going to help you. But this, uh, this next segment is brought to you by Andy Prasky, Preferred Home Team. Well, they said I could have 30 seconds on the show for a quick ad. Andy Prasky, Remax Advantage Plus, Andy at Prasky.com if you want to email us. Here's the thing, 22 years in the business, over 1,400 sales. I'd like to help you with your real estate needs. If that's buying, if that's selling, if that's building, whatever it is, give us a call, send us an email, Let's get you started on your real estate journey. I'd like to help you on the way. Uh, lots of experience here, and I uh, would like to put it to work for you. Andy Prasky, Remax Advantage Plus. Thanks for listening to the show. Is it over? <laughs> okay. Are you gonna, when are you going to redo that one, Andy? When are you going to redo yours, Mr. Big Producer? I'm, I'm not. It's Obviously, I press record on my, my laptop here and go, <laughs> this is Andy Brasky. Call me. You should bring out all your mugs and stuff. I'll give you a mug if you call me. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. 
you should have seen Cody the first time I met I met Andy. I mean, you knew when he was coming because his car looked like a carnival. I mean, there's Andy Prassy, it was red, white, blue. I mean, colors everywhere. And then after I he just railed him on it constantly, constantly. He didn't get rid of it, but he did it kind of like it was really cool, actually, where you, you kind of could just barely see it on the truck. It was kind of like a, a, a almost a glitter, um, like two tone kind of thing. It, it, I went with a flat black on shiny, the, so the truck shiny black, yeah. and then I did flat black letters. So, like, I had a customer that they go, We didn't know your truck was logoed until you see it in the sun, just right. Yeah, subtle, subtle, subtle. I've learned. You toned it down a little bit. Just a little. <laughs> I don't wear the Zubas like Chris anymore. <laughs> hey. What is your definition of a starter home in 2022? Has it changed in the past 20 years? Wow. What is it? What is a starter home? 400000 makes a big difference to a lot of different people. I mean, it, it, I mean, it really does. But, I mean, typically, I would say a starter home, um, for the most part, I think a starter home... I would define it as some sort of association maintained place. Okay. Because more of a townhouse rather versus versus a house. I think there's more first-time buyers buying townhomes because it's it's more affordable. It's not as much work. It's a it's a way in which to kind of sneak in and uh, and may it maybe hold for later. I've got a lot of people that have purchased thinking that you know what we'll just hang on to this. I mean, Cody, you, that's what you did. I mean, you, you were buying, and then all of a sudden you're out, and you went and bought something in Arizona, now you bought something in Vegas, and now you'll end up buying your own home, but now you've created a couple rentals. Andrew, what do you think? I agree. I think, you know, and I was actually reading an article the other day about this where first-time homebuyers right now, a lot of them are, are really, you know, are ones that are getting hurt the most with this rate jump. And, and what it does is it takes the pressure off that, lower price points, and then allows people that are downsizing, which will free up the top of the market so people can upgrade. And even though this this is kind of confusing, rates going up right now might help get the cyclical, you know, rotation going again, where the first time buyers have stuff to buy, the second time buy, move up buyers have something to buy, the downsizers have something to buy. Because right now we're kind of clogged with, you know, there's not a lot for sale. And, you know, people don't want to downsize because it's not worth it. You know, and and um, so when I look at the first time home buyer, I actually, you know what, I agree with you. I think that it'd be nice to ease into no maintenance because you don't have to buy the mowers, the weed whackers, all that other stuff that you know you don't know you need until you're there. And your grass is a foot long. I do want to. The question asked, what's changed in the past twenty years, and that's what I I want to say is that I think it's more of a townhouse association maintained now versus twenty years ago. It was a small house in, in the city, so people are buying houses and you know more work the American dream versus, yep. Hey, I might have to move and go and I'm going to hold it for a rental. Cody, what are you seeing? Yeah, I'm seeing, I'm seeing that. And then I'm also seeing out here, there's, I mean, they're just developing so much. And so people are going towards the the outskirts of the, the inner city. Um, and my, my broker actually, he said from his, from the last big crash, cause when you start going out into far into the desert, it's not, there's not a lot of development until later on. Um, and so he said a lot of these houses that were getting built or the houses that were, were on the outskirts, they got just destroyed as far as value when, when there was a dip. Um, 
But yeah, that's really the only thing, the only homes that these new home buyers are able to to get without getting beat out. And they're still they're still paying a, a decent price. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see on that. And then they're going the HOA route, like the townhome, the condo, that sort of thing. I think you, you do see that nucleus that heats up and then it cools down. And it and it, it the farther out you are, the more vulnerable you are as well. But but are you anymore? I mean, because what's changed in, in the world is not working from a, a, a job. And typically it's the cities where the jobs were. And so if if you got further away or gas was more expensive, but now a lot of people are doing stuff online. I mean, it, I mean, look at Nick. He's out right. in freaking Poland. I mean, you can't even, right. I mean, he's making money. So it's just, a, I don't know. I think it's, I, I don't know if it's the outskirts are going to get hurt so much anymore. And I think people are trying to get away from the cities too, because of all the stuff that's happening. There's a lot of people that feel that way. So I'm not afraid of it. Uh, I do agree with that. And there are so many people that are coming out from California to Arizona and, and Washington as well, actually. And they're working remote. So they're still making their cost of living from California, Seattle, you know, wherever it might be, but they're living cheaper in Arizona, Vegas. Yeah. So I, I do agree prices with that. Are going up. That's yeah, why the prices are going up. They're like, Hey, I'm still making that, the money I'm making in California, but I'm buying it in Idaho or Colorado and they're fighting. Hey, I just sold my 1200 square foot Rambler for 1.4 million. And I'm going to buy yeah. this other one that should be 700. I'll pay 800,000 for it. I've got 400 grand in my pocket and I've got a house five times the size. Yeah, that I is saw, so true. I just uh, saw an article and, and a video, my bad, Cody, from the Nomad Capitalist and Nowadays, more people are moving to Mexico from California than Mexicans trying to get into Cali. It's crazy. Like, uh, if you would have said that 10 years ago, people would have thought you were, you know, bonkers. Well, is it, it you think it's the $7 uh, gallon gas or the 48% taxes that they hit in that state? <laughs> so what that? I'd rather be dead than live there. I love this. I love to visit. But oh, my God. Uh oh, here we go. Uh, I'm strapped on. I'm not going to stand up. Cody, you haven't seen this. Once he gets going, it gets interesting. <laughs> we well, get him on a little tangent. The, the crazy thing is just like they're like everything's on discount from the few experiences that I've had as far as like home purchasing. And I mean, I was working sales prior to real estate in Arizona, and it was just always hilarious to me. Like they, oh man, it's like a gym membership's only this much. Like gas is only this much, like everything's just discounts. So they just like, they'll walk into a house. Like you were saying, Chris, they sold their little mobile home for like one, four, 800 K, whatever it is. And then they're coming out here getting twice the home and having a little bit of equity to sit on. And then yeah, every, everything else goes up with that. So it's, it's interesting. Does that happen ever in, in Minnesota with like, I don't know, someone coming from Chicago or, or something like that? Absolutely. Well, yeah, I'll tell you where we kind of see it is you start, I mean, it's kind of the same thing, but it's 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 closer, meaning that you sell something on the lake that because the lakeshore prices went way up and all of a sudden you take the lakeshore prices and go buy something on a golf course and you're basically a thousand square foot home. You got a million dollars for you buy a golf course home for six hundred thousand and it's, and it's twice the house and people kind of move 
to different um, lifestyles. But I think that happened like in, in Minneapolis or like in you know, a Linden Hills or in Edina. And then they just move outside a little, but I don't know. I mean, we've got, uh, it was, it was interesting. Uh, there's an agent um, that Andy and I both know that was working with some of the Vikings coaches that were coming from California, you know, and they were all, I mean, these are assistant coaches all looking for, you know, a couple million dollar homes. <laughs> and I mean, that's huge here. And there it was probably like, Hey, we're just kind of getting what we had, you know, over there. So I don't know. Interesting. Yep. All right. So what are we doing? I got to read this recently updated means great paint, white trim and a barn door. There, I saved you from having to learn like I did. Why is this true, though? They all look the same. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you, it's because 90% of the people can't envision anything. So you have to help them, and you have to move them past that. And if they see that on TV, and then they see it there, they they, they purchase it. Plain, simple fact. It, it's kind of like I see, you, 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 uh, like a dish, right? And you have, it's very bland, boring. People can't, what could this be? Even adding a little bit of salt, for example, onto a dish can change the dynamics of the dish completely. Bring out other flavors, do whatever. So when you can go into a property and enhance it and add that little bit of salt, if I will, or the flavor or whatever you want to call it, and it, people can then, it starts them on their journey of seeing where it could go or what it could become. And, you know, I all I got to say is I introduced Chris to Tabasco on his pizza, and he's never looked back. That is true. That is true, by the way. Um the other thing I want to say, what I always wanted to do, because I've done quite a few flip homes and stuff, but yeah. I get into them and I'm like, okay, then we'll design it this way. And I want to try this and that. What I want to do is I want to buy like 75 pallets of the same wood floor. I want to have 42 gallons of paint and I want to do the same exact thing and just duplicate it. That, that works. And it would be so much better. And we should be able to do that. And everyone knows that it. it's like, like an assembly line. And I never did that, but I always wanted to do that because you're buying in bulk, you're getting, you know, better deals and you just, you know what you're, you're doing and it's, and it sells. Then obviously, you know, it might change and then you got to kind of, kind of go the other route. But I think that would be a, a good thing. Cody, you're young. You can do that. And you'll supply the money. I'll <laughs> it's talk. Funny you say that. I was, I was I actually got... I got a large investment in mugs right now, so I got to hold back a little bit. So, what were you gonna say, Cody? I was gonna say I watched two guys in our office just do that. They ended up finding a place right across the street from each other, so they stored everything in the garage of the one, and then tore down the other. And yeah, like an assembly line. Yeah. Had the same. Had the guys go and do the floor. Once they finished the floor in the other house, went to the one. And then after the floorers were done with the one, the painters came in and they, I mean, they crushed out two houses in like, what are four months? I think it was, or three months. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, Cody, I, I kept, I, I put that on there for you because you did that with your property. Didn't you? You just did what was popular. Yeah. Well, fun, funds were limited. I was getting my feet wet. So yeah, basically just slapped a little touch up paint. Maybe, maybe you want to invest so I can get away from the trendy barn door. Yeah. Hey, you know what Cody was doing? He was going to end of driveways and stealing stuff from, you know, they leave it all out there free and he turned it into like masterpieces. He was so proud. He showed me this one, this, this thing that, you know, most of us would have chopped up and throw, used his firewood. And now he's making fancy dining or what are they like couch tables or whatever they're, what are they called? Yeah. Was that, 
was it? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a full like coffee table set. Yeah. It was a moving sale. They're just like, yeah, we don't even want it. And it was a nice, it was actually nice. It just needed some, some touch up paint. I literally got it for free and then sold it for 250 bucks. And it was like, three day, like a three day turnaround. Nice. I was That's awesome. I, I can see myself when I get older doing that. When I, you know, <laughs> I love, I love fixing stuff up, man. I do. And of course, Chris, the, did you try? I totally, I totally ruined it for him. I said, geez, Cody, I said, you, you wasted three days on that. You could have been out knocking on doors and gotten a sale and made twice the money. And the poor guy gets up for free, sells it for $245, and I'm just ripping on him. <laughs> hey, was, like were you trying to take up? Weren't you trying what? to take up woodworking, Chris? Did you try to get into that hobby? Yeah, yeah. I, I started, I decided, I said, I got to figure out something. I got to. I, I have no, I'm not good at anything. So I'm like, woodworking is something that I think I'd like. By the third video I watched on YouTube, I'm like, uh-uh, I'm done. I mean, there's no I'm way. Chris. I don't have all my fingers. <laughs> I made a I made a nice uh, table, like a workbench table, many years ago. And uh, that's the only thing I've been able to make. Awesome. So, hey, hey, thanks, Cody, for coming on. Everyone give us a thumbs up if you like having uh, the Sherfinator on. Uh, give us a review on Spotify, iTunes, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're trying to get that thing going. And we post three digestible clips on the Facebook and YouTube each week. Give us the like, give us a thumbs up and have a great week and uh, see you next week. Cody. Sure, I was just going to say you guys, Hey, I was going to say to Cody, you guys want a referral. You're going to Arizona. We got a guy for you. <laughs> That's right. We'll get the, we'll get the snowbird, the snowbird connection going. You speak Minnesotan. That's the most important thing. <laughs> Bag, yep. I know where <laughs> all the bags and the flags are. <laughs> all right, see you guys. Have a good one. Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.